So we are in these Wednesday night Bible study and prayer nights. I know you know that, so I don't have to remind you of that. We've spoken on the topic of renew, agree, engage, own. And last week when Brother Jury spoke about own, we went through the resource planner. I would like to just encourage you to make sure you are working your way through the devotional books and that you also take that resource planner and go through it page by page and ask the Lord to show you ways that you can give to this campaign over the next 36 months that you may not have even thought about. Our Sundays look like this. This coming Sunday, uh, not my exact title, but to commit to God's revelation, to be able to hear what God is saying to us. There's a lot of voices in our head and in our world, and we want to hear the voice of God. Samuel heard the voice of God, but he didn't recognize the voice of God. So we want to hear, recognize, and respond to the voice of God. And this Sunday, Lord willing, that's what I'll be preaching about. Brother Jerry mentioned next Wednesday night, he'll be ministering, and uh, our family will not be here is the plan right now. That's my wife's 65th birthday. Oh, I'm sorry, it's her birthday. <laughs> I forget which one it is. We may or may not be fasting on that particular day. I love you, but I love my wife more, and so 45 years of marriage this year, I want to keep it going on, so we're just going to turn it over to Brother Jury next week, and he's got it. I think the jury's anniversary might be tomorrow. In fact, I know it is, really, to anyway, but they're not 45, Sister Holly and I'll think. So next week, tonight has not been on the schedule as far as the, the title or a theme of this, but I'll introduce that in a minute. And then on the 7th, I'm being a little redundant, we've talked about this, but on May 7th, that Sunday, is our Commitment Sunday. What we're asking is that you work through that resource planner, that you take the commitment card, you pray about it, and on that Sunday, at the end of the service, we'll make a commitment over a 36-month period of what we can do. It might be bi-weekly, uh, monthly a one-time commitment, annual commitments, believing God for supernatural miracles in your life. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be a part of an exponential miracle that God did for you so you could also be a blessing to the kingdom of God? We heard some tremendous stories this past Sunday from Brother Marvin Mitchell, true stories from the church in Columbus, Indiana, that he shared with those people's permission. The 14th on Mother's Day, we're gonna have Mother's Day here. You'll see the article that will come out this Sunday. We're going to talk about planting our children in truth. And then all we'll do that Sunday is announce what the commitment was from the 7th. And then on the 21st, on that Sunday, we're asking that whatever you're able to do, that it would be a generous, sacrificial offering, not a commitment over 36 months, but that day. And we've worked through the ideas if you give online and how will that be reported, but this is an offering that will come in on that day and what's come up into that day from uh, past commitments that are going to be coming in to set this campaign in good shape. And then that's the end of the public part of the campaign, the services and the focus. And once a month after that, we're going to remind you of the campaign, just like we do Mission Sunday, to keep it in front of us. And every year, we'll make sure we just have a renewal because there will be new people coming to the Lord and coming to Atlanta West, and we want them to join what God is doing here. 
And then I'm very excited to just tell you, I just decided to put this in my notes. Memorial Day weekend, if you're new to Atlanta West, we have a really big picnic. We're excited about our Memorial Day picnic. And we have special guests this year, Brother DJ, Sister Natalie Hill. He's going to be preaching. That's also Pentecost Sunday, Memorial Day weekend. And we're going to have a great time then. Amen. Amen. So the theme of tonight is commit. Commit. Uh, to commit is to put in charge, to put in trust. It's like making a deposit into a financial institution that you trust that your money is going to be in good care. We know that's not always the case. We've had a few banks fail recently, but that's what committing is. You deposit and then you trust that they're going to take care of your money. You're committing money to that institution. If you commit, it's to obligate yourself to something. It's to bind yourself to that commitment, to that contract. The Bible says that we shouldn't swear at all by heaven and earth, by temple, by the throne, by the altar. But our yes should be yes and our no should be no. Our word should be our bond. Amen? We should tell the truth and keep our word. Even if you swear to your own hurt, you change not. You keep your word, you keep your commitments. That's what this means. It's in some sense to obligate like you would be in a contract. Biblically-based marriages are based on commitments. One man faithfully joined to one woman for life. That's the biblical model for marriage, commit. And when we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, it is the same. We are binding ourselves to the altar of faithfulness and submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are committed to him. We're binding the gift of our lives to the altar. There's a psalm, Psalm 118, 27, that the Bible speaks of binding the sacrifice with cords even to the horns of the altar. Have you ever climbed on the altar of sacrifice and then climbed back down? Have you ever told the Lord you'd do something and then had second thoughts? Might have been a commitment of prayer or fasting or giving. And so this scripture talks about taking that sacrifice that's going to lose its life and tying it to the horns of the altar so it can't get off. That's what commitment is. It's saying to God and making sure that you're accountable for what you say you're going to do. You're making a commitment. But that level of commitment to Jesus Christ is also reasonable. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is not unreasonable. It is reasonable. Some uh, translations say it is your rational worship. It's nothing that is out of the ordinary. Commitment is reasonable because Jesus Christ first committed himself to us. Amen. My response and commitment to Jesus is a result of his commitment to me. The Bible said love is not demonstrated that we gave ourselves to God, but that he gave himself for us. That's what real love is. And who are we to not give ourselves back to him for him laying down his life for us and saving us from our sins? He trusts us as well. God believes in us. That was a revelation for me. 
I grew up believing in God. I knew the Lord loved me, but I wasn't sure how much he believed in me, how much confidence he had in me. I wasn't sure how big of an assignment he would give me in my life. I didn't really think it would be very big at all because I didn't know how much God believed in me. The Apostle Paul wrote about God's commitment in us. He entrusted us, 1 Corinthians 9, 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, Paul said, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Now, I'm going to spare you all these verses from the screen, but it's amazing. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. 1 Timothy 1.11, the gospel which was committed to my trust. 1 Timothy 6.20, Paul says to Timothy to keep that which is committed to thy trust. Titus 1 and 3, God has manifested himself through preaching which is committed unto me, Paul said, according to the commandment of God our Savior. God believes in us and he's committed himself to us and he's given us a, a partnership in this gospel work, and he's allowed us to be committed back to him. So the least we can do, and really it's all we can do, is to completely commit ourselves back to him. So what does that look like? What does total surrender look like to be committed to Jesus Christ? Years ago I read and tried to live this out, that the cross, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, of course, he picked up his cross. He went to the place of death, of total commitment to the will of God. And when we take up our cross, it is a test of total obedience, total obedience to the will of God. So that saying no, Lord, is not something you would ever say. You don't ever tell him no, whatever he would ask, because you're committed to Jesus Christ. So there are four ways that I'd like to speak about being committed to him First of all is to commit your way. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Here's a kind of a commandment with a promise, a challenge with a promise. The context of this is amazing. In Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And then commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. These three verses are interesting. Trust, delight, and commit. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then commit yourself to the Lord. The acts of commitment and trust function like a trigger of releasing God's capacity to act in our lives. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So I want to read it here tonight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. All thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. And you say, but I have a really high IQ. The Bible doesn't care. God doesn't care. Lean not unto thine own understanding. But I'm really educated. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, in all thy ways, all your ways, you're committing your way to the Lord. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Make God a part. Don't leave him on the outside looking into your life. 
while you make your decisions and chart your own course and choose your own path. When you commit your way to the Lord, then you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart. You're not leaning to your own understanding. And in every facet of your life, all your ways, every relationship, every decision, whatever it is that has to do with your life, you invite God in and let him be the Lord of that area of your life. And then there's the promise in verse 6, and he shall direct thy paths. All of us want God to direct our way to prosperity, success, eternal life, but there are contingencies to that, and those are the contingencies of commitment that you trust, that you do not lean to your own understanding, that in all your ways you acknowledge him, and then you have the promise that God will direct your paths. Proverbs 16, 7 says that when a man's ways please the Lord, everybody say your way. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So the way that we commit to the Lord are the paths of life that we choose with his direction. I really don't believe that as a servant of God, a steward of the resources of God, that I can make my own decisions and ask God to come along quietly. I believe that I should seek the Lord, find his direction, and then I should do what he says, and then the paths that I choose with his direction are paths that he can bless. But when I talk about committing your way, those are the paths you choose. They are the decisions you make. And this commandment that uh, in this psalm is, he shall bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Whatever it is that you're seeking God for, when you commit your way to him to walk in his paths, he will direct your paths, and he will bring it to pass. The second commitment I want to talk about is to commit your works. Now, I believe that way kind of charts out the direction of your life, and that works are what you do along that path. All of these are interconnected, of course, and they're interrelated. Commit your works to him. Proverbs 16.3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Amen. So the ways you choose lead to the works you perform in your life. I've learned that direction determines your behavior. The people you run with, you know, the company you keep, the way you choose, then affects your behavior. It's hard to be in a really bad environment, in a bad way, a place, and then for your works to not be the same. Amen? Because if you're where you shouldn't be, you're probably going to do what you shouldn't do. Amen? The works are your actions and your interactions. Commit your works to the Lord. Amen? Whatever decisions you make and actions you choose. And see that what you do is commanded by the Lord. And make sure that you follow that path in your life. Psalm 127.1 tells us, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I'm talking about works right now. Whatever type of work you do, whatever decisions you make with your life, of your actions, the values you adopt, so many areas of your life. If God is not involved in that, if you've not committed your works to the Lord, you're going to be trying to build a house, work on a house that's going to collapse under its own weight. But if the Lord is involved in that and you've committed your works to the Lord, then the Lord is going to bless what you do. We commit our way, 
and we commit our works. Now, this next idea needs a little more explanation and a little more scriptural support. Commit your resources. I'd like for you to look at Luke 16.10. Luke 16.10. He who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Here is a principle. And he who is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. And I'll break these down after I just read through them. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, we are stewards, so everything we have belongs to God. If you're not faithful in that which belongs to someone else, of course, this is couched in the idea of a servant and a master or an employee with an employer. Who will give you what is your own? Now, Jesus here is teaching on faithfulness and commitment, and he teaches that faithfulness is a character trait. You either have it or you don't. You're either faithful or you're not. You reveal your character not by how you respond to big things, but to small things. That's what this first verse says. If you're not faithful in little, you're not going to be faithful in much. And any good supervisor who is watching an employee, if he sees that an employee can't handle small tasks, can't be dependable, doesn't care, isn't going to follow through, that person is probably not going to get a promotion. And they wonder why they've been there 20 years and they're still at the bottom making the same as they did maybe with a little cost of living raises along the way. But Jesus said, if you're not faithful in a little, you're not going to be faithful in much. So why would anyone want to give you more if you haven't been faithful in little? But I've also observed people over my lifetime, if you give people a small job, and I don't believe it's my role to test people. I've never tried to test people. I feel like that's God's business, not mine. But I've watched people, you know, the Bible is very careful that you should not put a novice in a position. And the things that you've heard and seen in me, Paul told Timothy, commit to faithful people. So you have to be faithful to something before you're entrusted with more in the kingdom of God. And whether it is in a church or a business or a family, it's foolish for someone in leadership to trust someone who has not been tested and tried in small things. That the first thing a person wants to do is preach a sermon, that's probably not what's going to happen around here. The first thing they want to do is sing a solo, that's probably not going to happen around here. At least if God was in charge, he would make sure it didn't happen. So you reveal, you reveal your character by how you respond to small responsibilities. Amen. Amen. And if you're responsible in small things, you this character trait called faithfulness, that you're committed to being faithful. We're talking about our resources now. We're talking here in this case about money. Somebody's given this servant money like the men that had five, two, and one talent or pounds in the other parable that Jesus told. He's watching to see what you do with what you have. And if you're not productive, not faithful with the little that you have, 
In God's kingdom, he takes the one talent away from the unproductive servant and gives it to the guy with 10. There's no entitlement there. He doesn't deserve anything because he's not been faithful. Amen. So a good way to learn the character of a person is to give them a little bit of responsibility and watch. You know, if a person has a job and they only make $10 an hour and they do not tithe then, they're probably not going to tithe if they're making $100 an hour. Now, I know that the tithe on $10 is, is not that much. But if it's $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 or a million dollars, the tithe is the same. God has an amazing plan for his people in the kingdom of God. And if you grow up learning to tithe on your first job, whatever yours was, mine was $1.65 an hour, and you learn to tithe on that, then tithing is just what you do. It's a trait. So this point is about committing your resources. And what Jesus says if you're not faithful in that which is natural, who's going to commit to you true riches? So this point tonight is about committing your resources to God. In stewardship, we always teach that it is time, it is talent, it is treasure, it is money. And when God gives us time and abilities, gifts, and he gives us any amount of money, whether it's the widow's might, or whether it is the wealth of the people who cast in much in the offering plate, our faithfulness is determined by how we commit ourselves to doing the right thing based on what God has given us. Amen. Now, I want to just do this as not as fine print. This principle does not mean that if you're faithful with a minimum wage job, that God's going to make you a millionaire. That's not what that means. But this scripture is talking about true riches, eternal riches, spiritual things, and God uses money to test people. Amen. And this discussion is not about money, but it is about the principle of faithfulness. But Jesus talked about money a lot because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 16, 13, this this passage continues. We're in the same passage about if you're faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in a lot and all of that. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, right? Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Now mammon is that something that you trust in. Typically it's applied here to money in the context seems to be money. And if you look at the next verse, then you're, it's pretty easy to say that Jesus is talking about money. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things and they derided him. They got mad at Jesus for talking about money. They got mad at Jesus for talking about faithfulness. They were condemned because they were greedy. They were covetous people. And so they did not understand the principle of commitment. Commit your way, commit your works, commit your resources. And finally, which is kind of an all-encompassing idea, is to commit your spirit. And it's a pretty heavy verse here because it's Jesus on the cross, Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands 
I commit, the King James says, commend. I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Do you remember Jesus saying that no one takes my life from me, that I lay it down of myself? At the end of the day, before sundown, the Roman soldiers came to ensure the death of the three men on the cross. They came to the thief on one side. He was still alive. They broke his legs with a mallet. He sagged on the cross and died. The thief on the other side of the cross, still fighting for his life. They broke his legs. He sagged on the cross and died. And typically in crucifixion, a person died in crucifixion by asphyxiation. Sagging, no longer able to breathe because of exposure and weakness. But when they came to Jesus, the Bible said he was dead already. Because they did not have to force him to submit. He lived a submitted life. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. He settled the issue of the cross of becoming sin and laying down his life. And so his last words into your hands, I commit my spirit, was a life lived to the last breath. And if you're committed in your way, in your works, in your resources, then in your life when the greatest test comes, then you can say, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You can say that Jesus was saying, I deposit my soul into your hand. Trusted you all my life, Lord. So now I trust you with death. And I trust you, as we would say, with eternity. Amen. That's the ultimate commitment to Jesus Christ. To pay whatever price it costs, to do whatever he wills, to praise Jesus did in Luke 22, as I've already said, not my will, but thine be done. Committing ourselves can be stressful. Amen. It can be stressful. I remember a very big decision at a general conference when I was a teenager. I'd just come back from a missions trip to Korea that changed my life in a good way. And I had $20 to eat on. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to give 10. Thankfully, he didn't make me give 20. But I wrestled over that $10 because I was not sure how I was going to eat for the rest of general conference. But, so it doesn't matter the amount. It's kind of where we are in life. But that commitment can seem enormous to us. Because that day I didn't have a credit card. It was cash, you know. But Jesus lived this way. 1 Peter 2.23 Speaking of Jesus, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. So sometimes when we take things into our own hands, in this particular verse, you're reviled, someone mistreats you, and you're going to, most of us can't afford to give anybody a piece of our mind. We won't have that much left. Okay, so it's just sinking in. Might be talking to you. So, Jesus reviled not again. He didn't answer in kind. He committed himself. 
The Imagine Vision campaign is ultimately not about money, but it is about commitment. Money is just one measure of commitment. And the Lord I found will never ask me to give something I do not have. But there may be times in our lives when he asks us to give everything we do have. And whatever that is, whatever that looks like between you and God, commitment is all about that. And I believe that if we get spiritual commitment right, we give him our lives. That's what Paul said the Macedonians did. They committed themselves first to us by the will of God, and then they gave their money. That's what we want to do if we get that right. But I've also learned that God will never be in debt to you. My pastor taught that to me all my growing up, that God will never owe you anything. He will always bless you beyond whatever you give to him. If you're able, I'd like you to stand right now, please. And we're going to enter this time of prayer. Uh, we're going to pray a while. The, the ground rules are like this. If you need to leave before we finish praying, you're welcome to go. There are tables here at the front. We invite you to come take a prayer request card. You can write a prayer request, leave it on the table. You can circulate around, pick up prayer requests from the front or the back. You can write them at any table. You can leave them on any other table. At the end of the night, I'd like to ask that you take some prayer requests home so that there are none left here for people who prayed and asked the Lord to help them. I wanted to just give you one other verse, though, uh, about commitment. And the Apostle Paul wrote this. This is on the screen, 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For the which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I believe Paul is talking here more about his soul, his life. But as I said, spirit is all-encompassing. It's our entire being. So as we pray tonight with the request that you have, I would like to ask that you pray and ask God to help you be committed to him in every dimension of your life. Amen.